Have you ever noticed the world isn't quite what it presents itself to be? That something is just a little off kilter, just a little out of focus. Some of you may know me from my career in the distilled spirits industry as the alchemist of the Black Forest of Indiana. An industry, as I see it, more than just a little influenced by the occult and the work of opening doors and capturing essences. Here, you'll see another side of what I do and how I'm influenced by such experiences. Here, myself and occasionally friends will share first-hand accounts, stories shared with us, for tea and news, interviews, and a healthy dose of history and speculation. Settle in for the ride and enjoy. Perhaps that movement you saw out of the corner of your eye was more than just a shadow. Perhaps that weight on your shoulder, a bit more than fatigue. I've lived my whole life like this. Perceptive of those things that might be viewed by the less aware amongst us as simple circumstances, magic thinking, or even make-believe. Anticipating with the many ups and downs of my own perception, I have anxiously awaited the more positive of those experiences, dreading those of a darker caliber. I believe from societal observation in recent years that others are becoming acutely aware of the currently scientifically unmeasurable world that surrounds us. I believe that spiritual warfare is real. Join us as we take a hard left into the heath and the heather. Join us as we call out into the void, as the veil frays at the edges, and recall, if you have ghosts, you have everything. Today on If You Have Ghosts, You Have Everything, high strangeness in small towns. With the popularity of classic movies like The Goonies, Monster Squad, Gremlins, The Lost Boys, and Sometimes They Come Back, and more modern fare like It or Super 8, as well as the phenomenally popular Stranger Things series, it may or may not come as any surprise at all that many Midwestern American towns have their fair share of high strangeness. My hometown is no exception. In this, what we hope will become an expanding If You Have Ghosts, You Have Everything bonus, we're going to sit down with a lifelong friend and delve into his experiences growing up in Pekin, Indiana, the same town we left off with in Episodes 1 through 3. We hope that with his coming forward, we may entice others with strange experiences in our hometown to come forward as well and share their tales, anonymously or otherwise. On September 29, 1819, Isaac Davis entered Section 30 in what was to become Polk Township, Washington County. Several years later in 1831, Christian Bixler laid out the town of Pekin on the south side of Mutton Fork, Blue River. Before 1831, there were several buildings at this location. As early as 1830, stagecoaches were making regular runs between Jeffersonville and Salem. A wagon route between Salem and New Albany also passed through this area. Pekin was a staging stop where horses were watered and changed. The town prospered until 1851, when the New Albany and Salem Railroad was completed. The train station was built on the more level north side of Blue River. Businesses gradually migrated to the new location. 
1854, the county commissioners declared the town vacant, and the area became known as Old Pekin. The 4th of July Celebration The town of New Pekin claims the distinction of having the oldest continuous Independence Day celebration in the United States of America. Pekin began celebrating Independence Day in the year 1830. The first several celebrations were said to be neighborhood affairs. It is assumed that it did not stay that way for long. Many families lived in the surrounding townships, and there were not many social activities. Various sources recount that the celebration was held near Old Pekin from 1830 until 1856. Around 1857, the celebration was moved to near the Blue River, where festivities were held until 1885. In either 1872 or 1873, the picnic was held at the farm of James Campbell, where he had built a recreational area. The fall of 1884 saw the completion of the fairgrounds. The following year, in 1885, the celebration was moved to the new fairgrounds. Many local residents did not agree with the celebration being moved there and held a second celebration at Tash's Grove. In 1909, the Gill brothers bought the southern part of the old fairgrounds. It became then known as Gill's Grove. This became the present location of the Pekin Community Park, where the celebration has been held every year since. Today, the celebration consists of a fireworks display, a parade with 200-plus entries, live bands, three-on-three basketball tournament, carnival, food vendors, a flea market, reading of the United States Declaration of Independence, prince and princess contest, a queen contest, cookouts, and many other small celebrations around the town of New Pekin. The land for the town of New Pekin was first entered on August 25, 1818. The original town plat was made on December 23, 1883 by W.A. Graves, and the town of New Pekin was incorporated in 1903 to provide funds to build and operate a school. This, of course, is just a small sample of our town's unique and interesting history. As we continue to try to pull witnesses from the woodwork from the local area, each episode we will expand upon a little bit of Pekin, Indiana's history. One slight correction to what we just read to you from the town of New Pekin's website. The town originally didn't move to the other side of the river because of the train station having been located there. It originally moved to the other side of the river because Old Pekin was prone to flooding, particularly after the tracks were built with a large embankment and river water would become stagnant. This stagnant water found its way into the well systems in the old town and many of the residents suffered from typhoid due to this. Some even tragically lost their lives. It didn't take long to realize that the high ground was going to be the place to be. Bourbon, scotch, cognac, gin, any type of spirit that you get a chance to taste transports you to a new and very interesting universe. Hi, I'm Jack Pigadou. On the street, I'm known as a hood sommelier. And what I do is I love to taste new spirit and educate people on how to appreciate each spirit that they put their nose or their taste bud into. Follow me on this journey and help me guide you on appreciating every spirit that you touch. Remember, the truth is bearer proof. 
See you next time. All right, guys. So we're here with a, a very good friend of mine, uh, Bill Nicely. Uh, Bill is the first guest that we've had on the show outside of, uh, of course, Kimberly and then Penny. Uh, so welcome to the, the tiny bedroom recording studio where you have, and Bill's like seven foot tall, just so people know. Seven three. No, right? on a good day. No, <laughs> no, I'm not that tall. It'd be nice though. Yeah. So I've got him like jammed into this corner. As a matter of fact, here in a little bit, I'm going to get the cell phone and take a picture for the Please website. Please do, do not. I, I, <laughs> do not take the picture. <laughs> he's, he's folded up like a suitcase right now is what's going on. But uh, anyways, uh, we brought Bill on the show because Bill reached out to me uh, just uh, maybe a week ago, I guess. And he said, hey, I've got a, a strange story for you. And I got excited because when we did the episodes of the, the Trickster 1 and 2 and we did the John Bowman episode, we thought, well, surely some other people from around Pekin, Washington County, Salem, etc., where we're from, have some of these stories, right? I know that the neighbors, we talked about that in the Trickster episodes, the neighbors have stories. They're farmers. They're not going to come yeah. on the show. It's never going to happen. It's a podcast. What is a podcast? Right. What is that? Yeah, exactly. I, you know, we'll talk about that stuff with you. We're not telling anybody else because they'll think we're crazy as hell, so... Um, but it's special for it to be somebody like you, Bill, because I've known you for a long time. We've known each other since, I think, we decided fifth grade earlier. Yeah, fifth grade, 1995 or 6-ish. Yeah. And so we had a lot of a lot of mutual friends. Now, when we were young, young, you and I didn't hang out a whole lot, but I hung out with your brother quite yeah. a bit. Yep. Um, and we had a lot of crossover friends that kind of went back and forth. And as time went on, you and I became really good friends. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it's special to have somebody as a guest on the show that's also a friend. Too, yeah. So yeah, it's it's yeah. I really enjoy the podcast. I think it's really neat and and it's local and it, and it hits on a bunch of little weird nuances right right well so just so people know who you are bill because i know all of our friends obviously listen to this they go, they're gonna know who you are mm -hmm. but uh you you own the salem speedway you own top notch yep. barbecue in salem as yep. well yeah so if you would talk a little bit about uh, your two businesses and what you have going on there um yeah we we, we bought salem speedway july of 2020 um, me and my wife, uh, it's been, it's a, it's a historic track, been there since 1947. It's a half mile high banks track, um, asphalt racing. It's pretty neat. Uh, we also have a restaurant, Top Notch Barbecue. It's located in Salem, Indiana as well. Uh, we also have one other item. Uh, it's a, it's a construction company. It's my longest business that I've had and we've had it for seven years now. But yeah, that was one other thing we did have. Right. Yeah, I forgot about that. We yeah. we tried to record this earlier and I had the volume all messed up on the board. So we got it we got it down to where it's uh where we think it needs to be now. But uh with Salem Speedway, obviously that's you know, that's that's racing. Mm -hmm. Uh but you have a lot of different types of racing, a lot of different yes. activities for people to do at the speedway. Yeah, we we actually have quite a bit. We we have a uh, drifting which is a new form of racing which a lot of younger generation gets involved in it's kind of different they just spin tires and slide around it's actually really technical if you get really in depth in it but it's a lot of fun just to kind of go out there and just blow off steam um we have like asphalt racing but we created this new division that's super super popular it gives the average joe uh, a couple hundred bucks five hundred dollars they go buy a car do a little bit of work to it and they can come race at the historic salem speedway which is which is really cool for them and their families get to come out and watch them and it's, it's just really neat and, and to see families that's never done that go out there and not have a clue what they're doing it's really neat to see it and the smiles and the, and the family having fun it's just it's just yeah. good wholesome 
Indiana vibes. It sounds like an absolute blast, honestly. We should get you out there. Yeah, right? Well, I threatened. I've got that old uh, black Dodge Dakota Sport that's all beat up. Hey, it's a V6, right? <laughs> it is. Yeah, like, bring it out. Right? You just got to get it, put a roll cage in there. No, no, yeah. no. You don't have to. Just knock, knock, okay. some, yeah. knock some windows out, put a helmet on, and go. Just go. Yeah, it'd yeah. be fine. It'd be all right. <laughs> I might do that. I don't know. Dad, Dad and uh, a friend of ours, Raymond Wilson, they were they were all on me about that there for a little while. So it might yeah. happen. Yeah, that'd so, be awesome. We'll see. Uh, all right. All that being said, uh, what, what what do you have coming up at the Speedway? I know you got you got uh, still have events yet this yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. We have our our crown jewels, the Halloween 200. It's the 34th running of it. It's a uh, we've turned it into a three day event, which is October 14th through the 16th, um, which is it highlights a bunch of different activities and and spooky walks, which I, I kind of touched on a little bit earlier about a gentleman that knows a whole lot about the Speedway, um, uh, Don Radiball. And uh, he knows quite a bit, and he's going to do a little candlelit spooky walk around the track and, and kind of talk about a lot of places where, where, where gentlemen have passed away and, and, and yeah. the, the weirdness has happened there. He has, he has actually lived there for two years prior to me taking ownership to it. So he's got more nights there than anybody in the world. And right. he has some awesome stories. So if anybody wants to check a spooky walk out of the Salem Speedway, it's going to be the 15th of October, and it's candle lit, and it's going to be pretty neat. Hell yeah, that's awesome. We, we may have to make it out there and do some field recordings for that, because yeah. that would be a lot yeah, of fun. Yeah, it would so. be really good. Yeah. All right, so we're going to get into it, and uh, I'm just going to let you go straight into it, man. I'm going to, again, preface it with, I, I suspect that... Uh, the things that you're about to talk about are related to the things that happened here on my farm because geographically where you experience them here in Pekin, it is not far at all from where the farm is. Um, as a matter of fact, no. uh, within, what, let's say a mile and a half probably, maybe two miles as the bird flies? Yeah, 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 yeah. Straight, yeah, as a bird flies, it would probably be a mile and a half-ish, which, you know, relatively speaking, it's not a far trek. No, not at all. All right, man, let's go into All it. All right, well, here we go. It was mid-October. I've, I'm not quite sure the year. Me and him tried to discuss this. We're not sure. I was in sixth grade. We lived out here in a little trailer. Uh, we just moved into it. They got it moved up there. Uh, just had some new neighbors, new friends. Who, you know, we just moved to the school in fifth grade, so didn't know a whole lot of people. Uh, it was on Blankenbaker Road, which is approximately two and a half, three miles outside of Pekin, Indiana. Um, it was an October morning, kind of eerie out, you know, like foggy. And um, we were getting ready, as, as every school kid does in the morning. You got to get ready. And we had just a little bit of trailer, one bathroom, and, you know, three kids and a, and a mom and, and, and people there trying to get ready for school, work, etc. Everybody's using the restroom, getting ready. And uh, I had to go. I really had to go. And I couldn't take it no more. And my mom said, just go outside. So what does every teenage boy do in the country? You just go outside and you... Yep. You welcome take, to Pekin. You welcome to Pekin, yeah. <laughs> so I went out there, and, uh, you know, I'm just doing my thing. And uh, I looked to the left. I was building a little clubhouse over there. It's it's on a tree approximately 40 yards from where I was standing, uh, about six foot up off the ground. It's an old old hickory tree. And uh, it was it was kind of torn down, but we were able to create something in it. And I'm looking over there. I'm like, what in the heck? It, what is that? Locked eye contact with whatever this thing was approximately six feet ish because my wall that I built on the back side was about five foot I'd imagine everything's a lot bigger when you're younger you know everybody knows that your your childhood house was the biggest house in the world but you go back to it and it's like wow this is a lot smaller right. so she's like being in this bedroom right now <laughs> yes sir <laughs> but yeah it was uh it's a it, the wall is about five foot tall 
and it kind of looked at me and I looked at it and I was like just kind of starstruck I was just just frozen and uh it knocked my little wall down which we had a couple braces on it and it wasn't uh we weren't framers by any means but we built it pretty sturdy we can stand up there it knocked it down jumped down and took off through the woods heading if I'm looking if I'm thinking it would be north um, heading north through the woods and I would nobody believed me right at first I ran inside you know tell you the truth I don't even know if I pissed on my foot or what happened I just know I came inside everything was covered up and I was hysterical so as I'm going inside I'm telling my mom this she didn't really believe me we had to go for school I was just kind of like just in shock I really was in shock like what the heck was going on so you know I'm telling her this and we're we're, we're nothing's really going on so what 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 did it look like well that's that's (laughs) yeah what i remember more clearly than anything are the legs Mm -hmm. the legs were like of a goat but with really thick thighs right thick thighs built Built, like yeah yes and uh because it kicked the wall i remember it had hooves and it kicked the wall and knocked it down and jumped down and um i just remember that just plain as day i can't get over it but very clearly bipedal on two legs it was oh 100 percent two legs, two yeah. legs um, and it was just running like furiously through the woods just knocking down like when i say saplings they're like little saplings they're probably three inches around you know like yeah. a like a piece of pvc still substantial oh yeah for sure and they were knocking them down and cracking them and pushing them over as it went through these woods and um you know later in that afternoon when we got back from school and and I uh, got in there and went out there and I still, you know, adamant that this happened. Nobody believed me. They think I'm just, right. I woke up, I'm, I'm starry-eyed, I'm, I, I don't know what's going on. We go out there and we see it. The, the walls knocked down, it was pushed down, you know, nails were bent. And through there is not a defined footprint because it was kind of frozen. Like I said, it was just like the first kind of frost, but you could see through the leaves, the brown leaves, you know the scuff marks where it's, it's running and you can see a path all the way to the fence back there is about 50 yards and then it's a fence and then it's a field and you can see it just running through there and it's just the trees are knocked over branches tr- knocked over bent broken and it just trekked through there like a like the rock on steroids just trekking through the forest and yeah. uh n- you know, we it kind of freaked us out a little bit. We didn't live there long. We we kind of moved around quite a bit while we were younger. So we're there probably another, I want to say, two months or so. And uh, we, we, we'd hear things out there, but never never experienced anything like that. Uh, fast forward. What, uh, go ahead. I, I got yeah, 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 to yeah, ask. Hit me. I, like, when you, when you first told me this story on the phone, yeah. I got super excited, right? Yeah. Because, again, it's somebody else experienced something yeah. here and they came mm-hmm. forward and again kind of like and who knows they may not be related at all but when i when i when i hear what you're saying like i'm almost thinking like sadder right like a, a half goat sort of yeah thing, right? yeah uh and i'm also thinking like you know you have these goat man reports that come out of uh, uh kind of the west end of louisville kentucky way back in the day yeah. mm-hmm. um, new jersey has a goat man that sort of thing and that's the first thing you think of when you think of something on two legs that are clearly goat legs yeah right there's something there but and i know you mostly focused on the legs right and 
But how tall was it? Was it? I, I think it was between six and seven feet. Right. As, I, was, I, I, as I'm remembering, it was it was it was giant. It was right. big, but I don't remember the torso being so large. I just remember the legs just being just. That was the defining thing. Yeah, it was just so yeah. big and obscure. Even though the whole thing was obscure and like, wow, what is going on? <laughs> what the hell? But is the that? legs were just giant. Just maybe because it was the motion of it kicking. Mm-hmm. It it. It caught my eye and that focused was the action, yeah. the action and that's, I that was the moment that the the, 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 yes. the stare broke. Right? Yeah, there, there yep. was, there's that initial non-belief, like you can't believe what you're seeing, and it's happening in real life, and yeah. you're just and yeah. then action happens, right? Yep. And it scares the hell out of you, and you <laughs> and, and, and then the movement of it, I focused on, and yep. it was the legs, and it jumped down and just trekked, and I just stood there. I couldn't so, maybe. 15, 20, 30. I don't even know. I just remember going back inside and... Uh, Do you think this thing was surprised that you saw it? Yes, very much so. I mean, I... Uh, like when I, I... You know, I'm just doing my thing, like I said, and, and, it's, and it's cold. It's probably four, 35, 40 degrees. You know, it's just that first nice cold yep. October yeah, morning. And, and I looked over... And wham, bam, there you go. It's up in there. There's nothing else there. It's just a flat plywood thing. There was nothing in there. So it, it questions me to why it was even there. I yeah. don't even know why. There was n- literally nothing there, just boards we stick put together. But it was there. And when I locked eye contact, it did not like that at all right. and was gone like the wind. Yeah. And so, like I said, it seemed like it was a surprise to see you as you were it. You yeah. Know, or even. Maybe, you know, sometimes I think some of these things, people, you have to be open to seeing them. And I think yeah. sometimes, like, they realize that you've seen them, and maybe other people don't. Yeah, you know I think I mean? it's in that moment of, like, surprise. It's just every everything just perfectly aligns, and it happens. Yeah. Like, yeah. sometimes you, you, you hear things, and you look, and there's nothing there. But then there's sometimes you hear things, and you look, and it's there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Hey guys, this is Alan Bishop over at Distillers Talk and the One Piece of the Time Distilling Institute on YouTube. Are you interested in learning or expanding upon the ancient art of distilling? Whether it's for spirits, essential oil, or tinctures, our friends over at 13 Stills have you covered. With hand-built copper stills made to last, Jason at 13 Stills has the setups you need to produce high-quality product. From two gallons to 200 gallons, are ready to roll prohibition sets, complete with tricloves and thump barrels with fruit ports. Give 13 Stills a call today at 1-502-424-5283. Tell them that Alan Bishop sent you on over. Okay, and we fast forward I, you know, I don't know, me and my wife, we've been together since, we've been together 22 years, so um, approximately 2005, maybe 2005, uh, we were having a conversation with her mother, um, which, oddly enough, when we lived there, she lived right down the street, we rode the same bus, just had no idea of one another, it was kind of strange small town thing everybody knows everybody it's kind of weird here yeah so there are no yeah. secrets in Pekin there's none and uh <laughs> so 
fast forward to, you know, 2004, 2005, we were just having a casual conversation with her mom um, about, like, Pekin Panther. I'm sure Alan will get into that later. Uh, certain little weird things that happen around here. And I told them my story about what happened and, and where it was. And, and it just, yeah, I said, you know, it was right down the street from where you guys lived. And um, there, and she's like, looked at me like straight in the eye and like could not believe what I had to say and I told her again what it was and uh she's like I I don't know the year but I know right down the road her grandparents live right where she she they lived right next door right down the road off of uh Blankenbaker Road and they raised little dogs Mm -hmm. and uh she was working for um her mother-in-law clean you know washing the dogs and, and walking them and they would always walk them outside on the back side of that the their hill there against the woods and they'd let them walk there and she said you know it was dusk in the evening one time and she's out there walking and the little dogs they'd bark at things they're little dogs yeah and uh, she said this dog just wouldn't stop was at this like the darkest part of the forest right there it's dark it's dusk so it's really dark just barking and barking and barking she's like what is going on yelling at the dog the dog won't come so she's like fine i'm gonna get the dog she walks over there towards the dog the dog is still barking not even acknowledging she's there she goes over there she goes to pick the dog up grab it you know the dog is still like kind of trembling barking like just barking at the area and she kind of looking and looking and looks and bam she sees the same thing i did with the legs the feet and the whole body yeah and and she said she just took off running (laughs) back towards the house and she don't know what happened to it but there was nothing when when they went and investigated there was really no yeah there's no like evidence no evidence of it nothing yeah and uh and you know she wasn't she's like i wasn't drinking i wasn't doing anything i was perfectly sober i was working and um and and to have that happen and that was right about the same time and in reference of years that I seen the same thing approximately a quarter mile down the road. So yeah. it was it was kind of a, a, a nice feeling for me to know I wasn't crazy. Like, you're not crazy. Uh, exactly. That somebody else had this same scenario, same thing happen to them. In that same geographical region. Same well. time. Yeah. yeah, so. And, and that, those are the kind of things that lead me to think, like whatever it was that was on our farm and, and whatever you were dealing with and she was dealing with, like, you know, I've brought up kind of the, the Native American stuff here and some of the lore and spirits that are tied to the land, etc. And, like, in that area, out in that area, there were a lot of Native American villages out oh, in that yeah. area. Oh, yep. yeah. Um, you know, there for years, every year when people, when farmers used to actually plow, they didn't do no-till, everybody go out and they'd check the fields because you'd find artifacts. Oh, everywhere. tons and tons. They still do. They, yeah. they still do. And we found tons of arrowheads right down the, sh- if you kind of go up over the top of the hill towards Blue River right there. Yeah. You go by that bridge, and you can go down there still to this day. If you want to spend a couple hours, you're going to find an arrowhead. Find stuff, yeah. There's, there's going to be there. stuff, pottery and other stuff right there. Yeah, for sure. And so, so, and who, who knows what the uh, the history and the legacy of that is? You know, because we don't have we don't have much. Uh, there's none of those none of the Native Americans around now from this region uh, that have that oral history. Yeah. So yeah. it's hard it's hard to find those sort of things, um, for sure. But I, I bring that up a lot because I think that there are there's maybe some connections going on there. Oh, it so. most definitely could be. Yeah, and then so you also had some stories. Uh, one that involved, um, well, I, w- I don't want to use anybody's name because I haven't asked unless you've asked or whatever. But 
uh, some mutual friends, uh, you and I, mm-hmm. uh, and some some strange things that happened at the river as well. Yes, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I probably shouldn't say his name. He probably wouldn't. He would probably wouldn't agree with it so much right now. I just don't uh, want him to punch me in the face. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, Blue River. Everybody knows uh, the Iron Bridge in Pekin. It's a it's an old bridge. It's a crankety bridge. It's the old Iron Bridge. Everybody knows where it's at. Well, if you're going down off the side of the iron bridge in the creek there and there's a little bitty beaches beach area of gravel and like a little swimming hole is when we were young you know we're sixth seventh eighth grade and and for those who aren't familiar with peak this 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 old iron bridge it was it yes. was built in the i think it was i want to say it was 1886 i think it's a three-ton bridge it's a one-lane bridge if you you can't have two cars on it at one time oh no um it's a it's a historic bridge and i can't remember the company that built it but You'll see them all over Indiana and sometimes Kentucky because this company built a lot of bridges uh, in this region in particular. And uh, there used to be a number of them in this county, and, and now there's maybe two or three left that I know of total, maybe. Most of them are abandoned, and you find uh, you find them on a river and you jump off of them into the water right. now. <laughs> <laughs> right. Not not to encourage that, but I mean, yeah, you, you definitely could, not. You could but, do you know. that. Just saying. <laughs> So, anyways, go ahead, Bill. Yeah, so it, we're right next to the, uh, the the we'd always go down there right next to the Iron Bridge, and there's a little pocket of water where we had a rope swing on the opposite side, and you could swim. And you know, we're just teenage boys just having fun in, in the summer and, and going down there. Well, one of our friends lived uh, about a mile and a half to two miles out of town. Would always run away or something would happen, and you know, he would we would go to see him or. He would call, go for the neighbors and call the our house, and we'd go walk to meet him. Well, that particular night, he was running away, and we were just hanging out with him and, you know, talking with him and just doing what, what teenage boys do. We're hanging out on the creek right there. We had a we had a lighter. It's all we had for a light. It was super, super dark that night, like really, really dark. So you really couldn't see nothing, no moon, no nothing. It was just dark. And um, so we were, we were down there on the beach, and uh, we were just hanging out because we're, we're used to it, so we're not scared of it by any means. And we're sitting there, and uh, we're just talking, and then we hear something across the river, which is about 35 feet. It's yeah. about 35 feet right Pretty there. Easily, yeah. And we're we're on the we're on the beach there. We're probably four foot from the water, just sitting there, and um, can't hear can't hear too much, but just a little bit of scuffling. It gets a little bit louder and a little bit louder, and we can kind of tell from the sound it's definitely across the water. And we're kind of, at this point, we're all like, kind of like, you know, you do, you're kind of scared, you're grabbing your buddy, like, oh my right, gosh, right. oh my what gosh, is, what what's going right on? Yeah. And then it makes a little bit more noise, and we're kind of, we're standing up at this point. It jumps in the water like a huge, I'm telling you, it was like you dropped a Volkswagen. It just like, kaboosh, right. and you know, deep water, not five foot, makes that boosh sound like yeah. that. It's a little bit different. We hear that. And we're just startled. We're just like, oh my gosh! And then it starts, like yeah, running. To be clear, there's not, um, there's not a whole. I mean, that's big one way or the other, right? It, but yes. there's not a lot of big animals in Indiana. No. I mean, occasionally you have a bear that wanders up here, um, but that's very, very, very occasionally. This thing would have had been like a 12-point buck coming at right. us or something crazy. But it jumped in the water, um, and it made that sound, and it started like running. And you have 20 feet of good three to five feet of water like i mean i'm a grown adult now and i'm, I'm a tall guy and I'm, I'm pretty fit i can't run through water like that there's no way and this thing is trekking through the water like at us we are just 
we are beside ourselves. We take off running like out of there. Run. We didn't even hit the path. We there's a there's a run right through the damn fires <laughs> yes, and everything. Ran through everything. All we could see is a dim light uh, from the factory had an outside light, uh, the amber glow. We are running as hard as we could to that amber glow of the little street right there, just running. As soon as we get up to that. We were like catching our breath and see what's going on. We're, we're ready for war at this point. We don't know what's going on. And we're looking at, looking and nothing. Didn't, nothing, no sounds. We're like, you're at that point where you're holding your breath to hear anything. You know, you're just, it's eerie quiet. All you have is the glow of the amber of the streetlight. It's probably 1.30, 2 o'clock in the morning. So there's no cars, there's no noise, no dogs barking, nothing. And you're just sitting there and you hear nothing. Talk about being scared. because. Yeah. It stopped. <laughs> right. And we have no idea, still to this day, what it was. But there was three of us. And One nobody of, was going back to check it out either. God no. <laughs> we 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 made it. We we decided to run, jog, probably sprinted at moments of hearing anything move next to us. All the way. We lived in a little uh, little building here in town, which is next to town hall at that time. And um, we we ended up in there got inside shut the door shut the bedroom door and we're just like oh my gosh never, yep, <laughs> never never yeah, yeah never again yeah and what's interesting about that one to me as well is is that that's that's right on the edge of town and it's literally i mean pekin's not a big town but that's kind of that's right at the edge of town and when you cross the river you're into old pekin and it's all cornfields it's all cornfields corn and it's like a it's kind of like a ravine right there mm -hmm. it follows the river yep. and it just goes out towards the school and it's just yep. kind of a, a a ravine absolutely yeah it's kind of a just a, a flood zone all the way yeah. through that yep. area mm -hmm. in general so there's not not really anything built down in there uh just in general so and when, when it was in the water bill did it did it sound like I mean, obviously, you, you, you've heard, like, dogs and stuff when they get in water. Yeah, it is. Like, it, four legs versus two legs. It, noise. it was like a, uh, a pro athlete. It was like LeBron James running through nine inches of water. Like, right. it was trekking water. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. It, it, but it wasn't nine inches of water. It was, it was, five. It was five feet to right. three feet to two feet. Everybody done it. You run down the beach. You try to see how far you can see run. You, you get. can't get far. Yeah. And this thing was going from the deep to the small at us. And it was just... That's crazy. That's I, the, crazy. The thud of it making when it jumped in the water was just wild. So do you feel like that thing is related to the other thing that you experienced? It, it could be. I mean, for the sheer size of and, and strength of it. Because, yeah. you know, yeah. it reminded me when that happened of the legs that I can't never get out of my head that the powerfulness of it right. would be the only thing that could move through the water like it did. And, and I was going to say the creek that you experienced that stuff on before it dumps in the Blue River and again it's not a mile. No, no, yeah. Yeah, so, I think they call that Little Blue right there. Yep. Is that it? Yeah. I believe so, yes. Yeah. yeah. So you've got another uh, my understanding is you weren't there for this one but you heard about it uh, and it involved the same two people that you were with in the yeah, previous it, yeah yeah it, at the iron bridge in yeah. the bridge again yeah and and bearing in mind that iron has been used um well it can be used in a number of ways but to either attract uh or amplify in some ways like an antenna paranormal encounters and a lot of times it's been used in traditional folk magic as a a way of protecting yourself from things that you don't want around so for example one of the things that you would do if you didn't want evil spirits to come into your house is you take railroad spikes and uh you do whatever whatever is meaningful to you as a ritual to do to those railroad spikes and then you put them on the four cardinal corners of your house yeah to, to as a barrier the same reason why uh, old cemeteries had iron 
fences yeah. around them to keep the dead in. Uh, so it's interesting with the trickster thing we talked about here on the farm, having the railroad here, and this experience happening at the Iron Bridge. Again, there's a correlation there. And it's right next to the next to the railroad tracks yeah. as well. Absolutely. Yeah, that was uh, it was it was actually it was a really close relative, and then my other friend that was would run away, and we'd run back and forth to his house or our house, and. Um, they were coming back one night, and they were walking along the bridge. They were walking back. I think they were walking back towards Pekin, our house. They were leaving there and coming back, if I remember correctly. Um, but they were walking on the bridge. You know, it's, again, it's another dark night. We did this a bunch in the summer. It, we had nothing else to do. But I, I do remember them coming back, and um, they they said, this is this is what they said. And, and, and they'll still tell you to this day exact what happened so um they were walking on the bridge and they got about halfway there and the brightest of bright lights surrounded them completely like super bright light and then and it just went away at an instant but they don't know they can't tell you for sure how long it lasted right granted this was uh 2000 no this is probably 98 probably 98 and um, no cell phone, so we didn't have watches or nothing like that yeah. to correlate time. We just, when you leave someplace, you get back someplace, you're like, it took us 45 minutes of walking. Right. So they can't tell for exact fact how long it was, but they seem like it was a very significant amount of time that it took them to get from point A to point B. Right. And the only thing they can think of of, of there is the light. And they, you know, at first they thought, well, maybe it was a chopper, but it was gone. It was just gone in yeah. an instant. It was just there and it was gone. And they were, they, and they talk about it. And they actually, me and my one friend, we actually talked about this no more than two months ago about the same, that exact moment. And yeah. he, and he still is like, I don't know what happened. Don't know what that was. Don't know what, what that was. Yeah. And it, you know, what's crazy is there may be somebody else in Pekin that maybe they, they hear this and they experience it too. But at the time it was, again, Pekin's a small town. And at that time, a lot of people lived in town, worked here in town. There wasn't really a third shift at the, the factory. At the no, time. no, no. So there weren't, there wouldn't be a whole lot of people awake. No, you know, to see those sort of things happen, and we and we walked a lot in the night just because, you know, we were the 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 rougher kids, I guess they called it, and we, we just we were rebellious and we just did what we wanted to do, yeah. and um, we would always walk around at night, and you know, now me looking back, it's like, oh my gosh, we were hoodlums. <laughs> we all were. <laughs> yes, we all were. <laughs> This is Alan Bishop, the alchemist of the Black Forest. Fall's in the air. The leaves are changing. The night's getting a little longer. That only means one thing to me. It's apple brandy season. Be on the lookout for our brand new Spirits of French Lick, bottled and bond Old Clifty Hoosier-style apple brandy. Made from fresh-pressed Michigan apples and matured in both 53-gallon, number two charred New American oak barrels, as well as 68-gallon hogshead barrels. Never chill filtered and always double pot distilled. Named for the legendary pre-prohibition distillery north of Campbellsburg, Indiana. Remember, brandy's just distilled wine, but it's also bourbon's sexier older sister. Please drink responsibly. Indiana 
Indian's cache of silver ore near Pekin, never uncovered. Story from lips of dying man leads the search for treasure, remains of forge found by Lewis Souter. Will the whispered story of a dying man someday lead to a cache of silver and other precious ores in the Indiana knobs near Pekin? Albert Hall believes that this might happen, for it was the Pekin blacksmith who heard the amazing story of the hidden metals from an old friend. And when he went to the spot described in the legend, sure enough, there was a foundation of the forge that had worked the metals. I was living in Memphis, Indiana, where I heard this story, Mr. Hall recalls. Dave Cass, a friend of mine, was ill, and I cared for him the two years previous to his death. Dave spent his childhood in Louisville and was a close friend of the Mr. Speed, who founded the Speed Museum. While he was ill, Dave told me the story of his grandfather's adventures with the Indians. Captured, Dave Cass said, My grandfather was a gunsmith in South Carolina in the early 19th century. He had a shop in the woods and usually worked until it was too dark to see. One night as he left the shop, four Indians grabbed him. They carried him all night. The next morning his wrists were tied to the wrists of two Indians, and he was ordered to walk. They assured him that he would not be harmed if he obeyed them. When he asked the purpose of the kidnapping, he was told that their Indian chief in Indiana had sent them to find a gunsmith and bring him to live with the tribe. They came through Pounds Gap across Kentucky and to the Ohio River Falls. It took three months to reach Indiana. Grandfather was not mistreated on the way. From the Ohio River Falls, it was one son's walk to the Indian camp, which was on the Morgan land grant in Washington County. When they reached the camp, they were to face the noonday sun south. From there, it was only a 10-minute walk to where two branches of water met, a 15-minute walk until they met again. Then they turned left to a spring, which held about two gallons of water. The forge was to be built under the branches of a white ash tree, which leaned to the south. Six-foot forge. The forge was six feet square, nine inches high. The seat was at the north side facing south. The work anvil was cut to fit the gunsmith's legs. Rocks were placed with three openings to blow the fire. The white man sat at the anvil, and his three helpers kept the fire going. The Indians used milkweeds to blow the fire, dipping the reeds in the spring water at intervals. Treated royally, fed well, but always had two guards near him. When he needed metal at the forge, one of the Indians turned west and returned in five minutes from the storehouse. They seemed to have a wonderful supply of iron, silver, and other metals, but he never learned where it was stored. The Indian campground stood at what is now Crossroads Church. Tri-Council Chamber was 50 feet from the camp. There, the Prophet and three chieftains held their councils of war. The Indians were tall and intelligent. The Indian girls were beautiful, rescued. Grandfather lived with them for four years, making and repairing guns. When the Indians gathered for the Battle of Tippecanoe, he was taken with them. His wrists were tied to those of two Indians. When the Indians were about to be captured and started running, my grandfather wouldn't run, but practically made the Indians drag him. When he and his two guards were captured, the enemy was surprised to hear the white man's story. Then followed the long trek through the wilderness to South Carolina in search of his family. When he arrived, he found they had moved to Harrodsburg, Kentucky. Returning to Harrodsburg, he learned that they were in Louisville. Two years after his escape, 
He arrived in Louisville, only to learn that his wife was dead. He couldn't find a son, and his daughter had married a Dr. Cass of Louisville. His grandson, Dave Cass, moved to Memphis when grown and was a millwright, mechanic, and sawyer. He remembered the story of the kidnapping of his grandfather, but neglected to visit his forge in Washington County. Before his death, Dave Cass asked his best friend, Albert Hall, to find the forge. It was a day of great excitement when Mr. Hall got out to try to locate the forge and or cash. Jesse Martin went with him from Pekin and almost at once they began finding landmarks that fitted into the story. They followed the stream described onto the Otto Noggle farm northeast of Pekin. Finally they came to the spring and near it was the stump of an old ash tree leaning south. A few seconds more and they stumbled onto the rocks that had formed the foundations of the forge. Blacksmith Albert Hall saw indications that the forge had been used for many years long ago. He collected rocks from the foundations and has some of them and other Indian relics found nearby now. The storehouse of precious ores was never found. A five minute walk by Indians would place it somewhere near the forge, likely to the west as they always headed that way when going after metal, according to the story. But if there was any silver left, it remains there still. Hey Metalheads, I'm Mark and I host Metal Forge. Let me tell you about the show. The Metal Forge features the best underground metal from all over the world. We spend every week with a different artist with interviews, in-depth conversations, and most of all, the music. We also feature audience interactivity where you can submit your questions to the upcoming guests. New episodes are out every Friday at noon Eastern Time at MetalForgeRadio.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. All right, so I hope you guys are enjoying Bill so far and, and the stories that he's, he's sharing with you. And uh, make no mistake to me, it, it's not only important that he's my friend and he's the first guest of the show, but also that he was willing to come on the show and talk about this and not do it anonymously. Uh, you know, that's people don't realize there's still a stigma around a lot of this stuff, right? And uh, it's not, you have to kind of get over that fear of it. If, you, if you're going to believe in these things and talk about these things and people are going to be honest about these things, there has to be open dialogue and no fear of that, and so I, I really appreciate that yeah. greatly, Bill. Yeah, no problem. But we've got a, a little bonus story here that's also uh, related to Pekin and related to a specific cemetery in Pekin that I'm pretty sure every teenage delinquent at some point in time hung out at that particular cemetery. I know I certainly did. Uh, and it's pretty closely, it's not very far from my farm at all, um, less than a mile for sure. Uh, and it is just up the hill from the trailer park that I grew in, grew up in, uh, ironically. So, and I've had some experiences there as well. One in particular that I remember, and I'd forgotten about it until we talked on the phone, and then I remembered it. So, uh, one thing. Well, you'll, I'm gonna let Bill tell you because you'll see. Go ahead. All right. This was, I think we were in eighth grade at that time. So we we're we we're looking at 99 is when we're, we're, we're there, 98, 99 again. Mm-hmm. I, my, my years are kind of jumbling together here. But uh, a bunch of us, like six or seven of us, you know, again, we were those kids in, in town that was running around acting a fool. Uh, somehow someone, I don't know who, of the group, read somewhere that shrooms were in 
cow patties. Okay, so don't know where it come from. I just know they wanted to go look for shrooms. Well, you, we can't go out in daylight into the the, the farmer's field. They'll right. you'll get shot, <laughs> get run off. So we you go we're up. just out here looking for mushrooms. Yeah, we're don't bother hurt, us. <laughs> yeah, so. We get, you know, it's it's late. It's 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 pretty late. You know, everybody's dying in for bed. It's probably 10:30, and and uh, we get all ready to go. Our bags are ready, and uh, we start up the hill, up towards Schoolhouse Hill is what we call it. And we'd go up to the top, and we'd kind of cut across, go towards the water tower, which everybody, I'm sure, everybody has been at the water tower. And you pass the water tower, and you kind of keep going up, and you'll come to the cemetery, which I never knew what it was called until Alan just said it was Tash, Tash Cemetery. Cemetery. Tash Cemetery. Yep, yep. Okay, never knew, never knew that. But we go up there, and um, all around the cemetery is down over the hill is a whole bunch of, um, um, it's like a cow field. Yeah. is what it is. Yeah, so pastures, yeah, yeah, we're we're up there. We're just kind of messing around, and you know, we're we're at the cemetery, and we're just looking around. It's just it's creepy. You know, the it was moon's like the out. One, one central place. I'll point this out too. This was like this. That cemetery was the reason everybody hung out there, is because it's as you said in Pekin, we have what's called Schoolhouse Hill, where the old school used to be at before it burned, and so the mm-hmm. cemetery is on top of this hill, and Pekin is kind of weird the way it's laid out because the main town, New Pekin. Uh, it's all kind of centrally gathered, and then you kind of go out the outskirts of town to get to the school, which is about three-quarters of a mile away from the main town by the yep. road. Mm-hmm. And then over by the school, you had two trailer parks and now a subdivision. Yep. But in between, you had Schoolhouse Hill, which there's only a few houses on it, and then Tash Cemetery's on top of it. So it was a, a, an easy cut-through if you were in the town of Pekin. And you want to get to the school. Yes, the e- easy to cut through, yes. real easy, because that's what we were, you know, ultimately going to end up at the school. We always yep. go and mess around at the school, it's go to the track. It's <laughs> climb on top of the school. It was just right. something ridiculous. You always do because you're kids. You just got to find some way to to do something ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we're yeah. It, it was we were up there just kind of messing around. You know, I can't even exactly tell you what we were doing in the cemetery, but we were all in the cemetery every one of us were in the cemetery um i was trying to just think here i think there was like six or seven of us you know we're all going to go up here and find these shrooms and you know i i i went up there with them they're my friends um i have never done anything i've never even drank a beer um rarely take aspirin you can ask anybody that knows me knows this i've just it's just never been my thing never was never will be and that's but, that's one reason i was excited to get you on on the show as well bill because anybody that knows you knows that but I've never seen you do anything. You don't smoke. You don't drink. No, you nothing. You don't do any, and you never have. Never. Never have. Never. So I've always had a free and clear mind. So I was always the the level head that can say, hey, that did happen. <laughs> right. Right. I yeah. was there. I was sober. Like, yes. You were doing this, and this is exactly how it went down. But, you know, we were up there messing around in the cemetery, and, you know, you get a bunch of people together. Everybody's like, you hear that? You see that? Kind of thing. And uh, it, it was really creepy. And we start kind of looking for, you know, for these mushrooms. And um, it is like we just 100% lose time. And next thing you know, the sun is coming up. And we're all like, what in the hell just happened? I mean, we got up there. You know, you, you fiddle fart around trying to get up there. You're joking. You know, you're messing around. 11 o'clock. We lose six hours. Right. And that doesn't happen easily, especially amongst the group. No, yeah. not with that many people. And we all lose it. And, and and they weren't, you know, we were kids. They didn't have 
hard drugs or anything like that. I don't think anybody was actually doing anything. I don't even think anybody had any beer or, or wine. I, nobody ever had any hard liquor. Uh, but I don't think anybody had anything at that time. We were just looking for shrooms that you find in cow patties. Like, it was a thing. Right. So, but we lost every bit of six hours and we didn't even because we started off towards the school and we're going to go over there and we're like holy cow this is like what the hell just happened the sun's coming up the sun's coming up and nobody knows what's going on and we're like there's no way we were just in that field for six and a half hours there's no possible way and you know we trekked back over there and we kind of nobody really thinks anything of it until we're just like kind of joking around like what in the hell happened how were we up here that long and you just you 100% lose we lost track of time and we still don't know and we I think it's when we were all, every one of us was in the cemetery and it just, it happened then. It's just, uh, we've had, we've been up there several times with other people and you always see things. Mm -hmm. You always see something. And again, the trickster, it's, 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 yeah, and it gets you and it, uh, it, we lost track of time up there. It was wild. Well, I I had an experience up there as well that we talked about on the phone that I had forgotten about because I was fairly young when it happened, but. You know, growing up in a trailer park, it was like Goonies, right? Like, we're all just hanging out. Yeah. And always getting into some kind of trouble uh, one way or the other. But uh, it only took maybe five minutes, ten minutes at the most from the trailer park to get up to the cemetery. It's it's a short little walk, really. It's just uphill. Um, and I wasn't supposed to go up there anyways because, like, you can do whatever you want in the trailer park as long as mom can yell out the door and be like, hey, where are you at sort of thing back then, right? You can't do that nowadays. But, um so I remember there was a group of us, and it was probably six or seven of us, and we were up there messing around, and I knew I wasn't supposed to be there, and went anyways, and I don't remember anything in spe- like specifically happening when we were in the cemetery in particular, but if you remember, there was there used to be a gate on the one side facing the trailer park to get yeah, to the pasture, yep, yeah. I'm sure it's still there. Uh, we were coming back across the gate, and as we're on top of the gate... Over on the far side, I guess it would be the north-facing side, uh, there was kind of a wooded area. And we mm-hmm. heard something kind of shaking in the trees. You talked about the thing at the yeah. river. And then something screamed at us. But it wasn't human. And it was loud and vicious and like some kind of animal, but it clearly wasn't yeah. an animal that I could identify. And the only part of it that's distinctly rem- two parts I distinctly remember is I was on top of the gate, and I jumped off of it, and we all <laughs> ran... And we got back down to the top of the trailer park at the bottom of the cow pasture, and there was kind of a fence gap there where the fence was still in place but had been kind of pressed down. Yeah. I remember I jumped over it, and I caught my foot on it, and I rolled. And, of course, everybody else ran past me. Cause oh, yeah, they thought <laughs> something got you right there. They, exactly. they were gone, gone. Yep. So I was all skinned up on both arms and my knees and everything, and I got home and I got grounded, not because I was up there, but because we were apparently gone multiple hours multiple hours yeah and i had forgotten that until i talked to my mom and dad about this the other day and they're like yeah you were gone for multiple hours yep and i don't have a memory of that of multiple hours right yeah i have a memory of walking up there going in we made up stories about the graves and yeah all yeah, that yeah. Stuff. and then coming back over top of the gate and then that happens and then yeah so I, I bet there's a lot of stories about Tash Cemetery with people that we know. Y- yes, and, and, and the older crowd, older generation, like our, like yeah. would have been our parents. Cemetery's been there forever, yep. and you know, back in the '80s and the '70s when there really wasn't much to do but riding a car, mm-hmm. I can only imagine what went down up there. Yeah, and maybe some more of that'll come out too. So, 
Well, Bill, this has been great, man. Yeah, you've done, yeah you've thank done you very much. job on this, and I've enjoyed having you. And uh, so we do have uh, another one of these plans for the future, uh, not about Pekin specifically, but about a, play, a couple places in Washington County that we're going to get Bill back for to talk about. So Yeah. 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 Well, I, thank you for having me, and I appreciate it a lot. Absolutely. Well, you guys get out to the Speedway and support Bill and, yeah. uh, and show him a little bit of love. So All right. have a good Thanks one. Thanks a lot. Hey, keep it rolling real fast. Yeah, go ahead. I want to ask you something yeah. that I've heard of and maybe we can get a real reaction on here. Yeah. Waverly. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to touch on this a little bit. All right. I've never been there, mm-hmm. but I've heard you've had quite a few time. You've been there quite a bit. Yep. Back before it was. Yes. It was I was to told about this particular story. Mm-hmm. Tell me if it's true or not. Okay. You guys were in the main room as a front there, right? And I guess there's doors. There's three doors in the main room. Is that correct? It's so. what I remember to- being told me, yeah. three doors. And you guys went to the right, and you guys were going to the right the right door, walking towards maybe one of the wings. Mm-hmm. You guys were going to go over there to do something. Well, you walked through that door, and you went a little ways, and you went through another door, but you ended up back in the main room. Is there any truth to that? Because that's what I was told. I vaguely remember that. And so there were... The, the person I was there with uh, used to be a somewhat famous musician. I, I will say that up front. And so there were so many Waverly stories that at this point, I don't remember most of them. Yeah. Um, the ones that I remember mostly are being on the, uh, the like balcony thing. Okay. Right? And yep. where all the doors come out on the balcony and literally watching shadows. Just walk back just and Just in and out. Wow. And, and you could sit there at the end of the balcony and just watch it. Wow. I've always wanted to ask you that, but I couldn't have thought of a better time to ask you right. than yeah. a real live recording yeah. and, and seeing. And yeah. And we've got, we do have a, another local guy that'll be on the show here shortly who has a ton of Waverly experiences. Um, and I'm hoping that when I get him on, that'll kind of jog my memory a little yeah. bit too. Because that, yeah. that, that little phase of my life, kind of 2003, 2005, is a little wild. Yeah, it's a little hard to, <laughs> a little hard to suss out how yeah, that was all but I, out. I I heard that and I've, I I was told that and it's always stuck in my mind. Mm-hmm. I gotta ask Alan about it, but I've never had the right particular time to ask you other than right now. So right, yeah, yeah. no, excellent, yeah, excellent. Well, Bill, thank you very much, Thanks, man. man. All right, guys, how's that for a first? guest episode outside of the bishop family as i said earlier in the episode with bill bill is the most sober person i know he doesn't do anything that would change his state of mind and i would take his word over pretty much almost anyone else in this community honestly that's why it was exciting for me to have him on the show because i know when bill tells me something it is the sober god's honest truth right that is super cool. And the fact that he came out and he said the things that he did uh, at a time where it's still not exactly popular to say those things, uh, and there's no guarantee that you won't get some criticism. Hey, listen, that deserves a round of applause in my book. So Bill's going to be back to discuss some other things in the future. He's definitely going to be a repeat guest on If You Have Ghosts, You Have Everything. And I can't thank him enough. Now, one thing that I did think of after Bill left, and I didn't mention it on the podcast earlier, but just down the Blue River to the southwest side of the old Iron Bridge, not maybe three quarters of a mile from where Bill had his experiences at the bridge, there is also a Native American burial mound. 
this particular mound was excavated by the Gill brothers, uh, who I believe I might have mentioned in the intro with the Pekin history and all of that stuff uh, way back when. And a lot of those artifacts ended up at a local business in Salem, Indiana. Uh, so, again, there's some precedence with some of these, these sort of Native American sacred sites here in southern Indiana that I think there might be some connection with. I think most of those, um, those Native American mounds, you know, they tended to have some sort of energy surrounding them, some sort of something that, that drew the people there for ceremonial reasons. And I don't think it's a coincidence that Bill has had the experiences where he's had his experiences at. But that is just my take. Again, I also think this is all very much related to what happened to me and Kim here on our farm. Uh, so that being said, I think we're going to wrap it up. The one thing I want to also mention real quick uh, before I forget about it, you may have noticed in the sort of exposition portion of the podcast right after the intro where I go into some of the history and all that sort of stuff and tell you what the episode's going to be about, there was some new original music. So we do have a new music director here at If You Have Ghosts, You Have Everything. And uh, I can't tell you his actual name because I don't think he wants it released, but he's looking for a uh, an art name, an artistic name, uh, to go along with his music releases in the future. And so for any podcast host that's new to doing these podcasts, it's kind of a big deal to have your own original music. And this guy is crazy talented, more talented than he knows and understands. And uh, you're going to be hearing a lot more of his music on this show a lot less stock music on this show and hopefully we can kind of get everything built up around him and his very uh creative uh artistic genius to be able to get some uh, music out there to other podcasters and and uh you know put some money in his pocket and uh and help him get the word out because he's really really good at what he does guys so uh the other thing i want to say is if you guys have any ideas for shows anything that you want to hear about please reach out to us uh we are more than happy to you know delve into some of these subjects look into them see what we can find out etc we've still got a lot of of our own subjects sort of lined out and ready to go Um, at some point in time we're probably going to take a short little break for a week or two maybe three weeks at the most we're going to kind of break this up in the season so that we don't get overwhelmed and we really only have one rule for the show that we've ever discussed and that one rule is no content for the sake of content the story has to be compelling it has to move forward it has to have a pace and a rhythm And it has to be something that you would want to listen to for an hour or an hour plus. So reach out to us and let us know what you think and what you'd like to see us cover. And thanks for listening. And please uh, subscribe, like, share, go on paranormal groups, uh, you know, cryptid groups, etc. that will let you post without spamming them. Get this podcast out there. Help us spread the word on it because we're doing this because we enjoy listening to these kind of podcasts. And hopefully people enjoy listening to us ramble on about these subjects. All right. Good evening, good night, love y'all, catch you on the next episode.